Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we are sitting down with Jay Shaw. Jay is actually a Rockstar Inner Circle member who joined up with Rockstar a long time ago, bought a bunch of properties, got a ton of experience, started his own property management company, and then he's giving back to the community. He teaches a class here at Rockstar for Rockstar Inner Circle members all about property management, maintenance requests, how to handle them, rents, rent, uh, rent trends he's seeing, how to screen tenants, the whole bit. We get tons of amazing feedback about his property management class. And on this episode, we dive into all of it as well. And it, this is one of the cases that we're really just proud of what is happening at Rockstar. It's different people that we are meeting who then got a ton of experience and then decided they wanted to give back by either teaching classes, coming on the podcast and sharing information. And this is how we feel as a group, we can all learn, grow, navigate the craziness that is the monetary policy, the real estate prices, the interest rate levels, the debt levels that are going on in this world and this country. So I really feel by supporting each other like this, by sharing information, we can all get ahead and we really can all live life on our terms. So thank you, Jay, for doing this. And if you are listening to this and you want to get some real estate information yourself, you can get the latest reports. The population reports are the craziest ones. The population story is something we've been like beating the drum about for, I would say, five years. And just now, I'd say in the last 18 months, two years, has it started to get a little bit of play in the last six months, more and more, we have had a population explosion in this country and specifically in Ontario. And if you want to see some of the charts, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports and get our population report there. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. Look for the population explosion report. Check it out for yourself. It's one of the primary drivers, that along with supply and interest rate levels, of course, but it's one of the primary drivers of what is absolutely a massive force in property prices in this area. So you can get that report at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Jay Shaw. And just as we started recording here, Jay, we were just saying how crazy you are because you run a property management company and Nick and I attempted, and I think we gave it a full attempt, man. We really tried. And I think we got with, it was with somebody here at Rockstar who is no longer with us, but we got up to about 34 doors without really knowing what we were doing around any property management processes before realizing like, okay, this is a bigger thing than we had ever imagined. So the fact that you're sitting here alive and breathing with a property management company, you have earned our full respect, Jay Shaw. It was uh, an in- intervention. I think there was two interventions. Both you and Nick sat, sat me down. He said, Jay, are you sure? We don't think this is a good idea. It's like that uh, you know, time when it's like you want to crack the piggy bank. We don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> but you didn't listen to us and you started the property management company anyway. And uh, you did it. I mean, how many? It's been a few years now. So started back in 2017. 20- yeah, pull the mic. You're going to have to lean into the mic. There we go. Yeah. Started back in 2017. Um, you know, and then really ramped up the last couple of years. And we're at about, uh, we just broke 100 doors. So um, coming along there, uh, we're surviving. I don't have any gray in my hair, which is great. No, and um, you still have all your hair. I, that's true. You're doing true. great, dude. That's You're true. doing great. I have a voice for radio, though, yeah. or podcasting. <laughs> let's put it that way. So, um, so what can you tell us then on the property management front? What have you learned? Before I ask you maybe some things around you know rents and some screening kind of stuff, what have you learned about property management that maybe surprises you a little bit? Have you, is it, is it, is it a people business more than the property business? I guess I'm asking you a leading question, obviously, is it people business? What, what have you learned over the last little while about properties and real estate and this whole madness? Well, that's a great question because it's exactly how I wrote it for you. Um, but uh, no, I think the biggest thing, I mean, you're right. It is a, it is a people business, right? Everyone thinks real estate is about bricks and mortar. It's about people and how you, how you deal with people. Um, I think some of the times people, you can't take this business personally. I think that's the number one issue that I've realized. Um, when things would break or tenants would not pay rent or, or what have you, um, I used to take that really personally. And I was like, well, was it something I did? And it, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with their individual situation, has to do with how they've been dealt with before. I mean, the other thing too, with bringing in new tenants as well, a lot of people 
they may have been treated poorly in the past and they just have a negative um, perception of property managers or property management or landlords. And you really have to earn that trust. And I think that was one of the biggest things you have to do. Um, the second thing is maintenance. I never realized how much maintenance was involved in the upkeep. And I think uh, when I started um, as an investor first at Rockstar and then uh, went over to the coaching pool, um, just realizing how much is involved, number one, and number two, how critically important it is with your tenants um, and really how to deal with that because that's always a big stressor um, when landlords um, get involved in this. They don't realize, they're like, oh my God, my tenant's calling me, it's Sunday afternoon, what do I, what do, I do or who do I call? And I think really building that up is well, probably because it's always like thing. a pain in the ass when you get that call, you're not expecting it. I like. Unlike anything else almost in, in the world, uh, no, there's there's different events. I shouldn't say that. But property specifically, you get calls when you, you obviously don't have those in your calendar. It's not like you have Tuesday at 4 p.m. I have open <laughs> to take the maintenance calls from my property. So if you have any problems, please call Tuesday at 4 p.m. It's usually Friday at 4.30 p.m. or Sunday afternoon. Like yep. you said, you're just firing yep. up the barbecue or you're about to go on a two-week vacation and you get those calls. One of my friends had a, a basement flood on him. I shouldn't laugh. This is years ago. Totally flooded on him. Tenants call in a panic one day before going on his first big vacation in like 10 years. And yeah. he's like, Tom, of course it's on this day. So we stepped in and helped him out, got some you know, contractors and got the whole thing yeah. going. But that's really what makes real estate so painful is that you can't plan for the calls that you're going to get, especially maintenance type calls. Rent, you kind of sort of know that it's end of the month, beginning of the month. If there's going to be an issue yeah. with rent, you're going to hear. But maintenance is just all over the map. And I think, um, yeah, you're right. Because, uh, you know, going back to that, every time I would go away on a vacation, once upon a time when we could travel, we would land, like we would always take the kids to to Florida. And every time we would land in Florida, my phone would light up like a Christmas tree. This would break, that would break, this would break. And like, I'm away. So what am I going to do? But what I learned very quickly is just building out processes and procedures and having an understanding of what you're going to do when you go away on vacation. Because you're not there. But like the other thing is if you set it up properly, you don't necessarily have to be at the property. Okay. So I want to ask you about maintenance requests and why that is a reason for tenants moving, but tell me more about this process. So like, what did you learn? Like, was it having the contractors that you needed on a handy contact list on your phone kind of thing? Like what well, was I mean, your process yeah. to make that easier for yourself? Yeah. I think obviously the first thing, and, and we teach this at Rockstar is that Building out that power team, so having one or two general handyman, one or two plumbers, one or two HVAC people, um, that was step one, building that out, you know, having a good relationship with them. But the second one is ensuring that they have access. So one of the things that our management company does, every single property has a lockbox on it. And what we do, it's very simple because we use the same trades. It's like, so for example, I remember going away, we had, we had a furnace go, we had um, a dryer go, we had a stove go all in the span of four days. And there I am like hiding behind a palm tree, making all these phone calls while my kids are like running around and here I am coordinating trades. But what we did was very simple because we use the same trades. And I, I teach this in the property management class here at Rockstar is the first thing you do after you close on the property, go to Home Depot, get yourself a lockbox and put it there. Because when your tenants call you at 12 o'clock at night and say, I just locked myself out, do you really want to be driving to the property? No. Or when you're away on vacation, you don't necessarily need to go to the property to supervise the maintenance. There's things that you can do in place um, to ensure the quality of that renovation. And, that and that once project. you have a few contractors you trust, the fact that they can get into that lockbox and get the key and do it when you're not there, the first time, if you're listening to this and you have never had that happen to yourself yet, where you're able to call a contractor that you already know and say, hey, there's a problem at the house. Can you go in? The lockbox lock code yep. is this. They're expecting you. Yep. And the next call you get is that, yep, took care of it. It's all handled. We're good to go. The joy and relief that comes over your body when you get that yep. phone call is like a miracle. Because before, Nick and I were constantly going back and forth to properties, that, the little lockbox tip that you just gave, as simple as that sounds, and I know someone listening to this is gonna say, I can't believe you guys didn't do that from day one. We totally didn't. We did not have an extra lockbox on all our properties. That is an absolute game changer. And you said one other thing. 
I, you made me have a flashback to all the crazy locations that we've had phone calls on like real estate related stuff. One time we had a hot water tank. We had a gas issue in a house where the gas company shut off the gas and they wouldn't sh turn it back on until we rebuilt a wall that they told us we had to take down. And I was in a Best Buy. And I was, this Best Buy had like a like a loop where you could like walk around the an aisle that was like a circle, a circle around the Best Buy. Okay. And uh, I must have looped around this Best Buy a hundred times while I was arguing with the gas company to turn back on the gas. And I just remember thinking, and I think I was starting to get loud in this Best Buy. I'm like, how did they not kick me out? Because I think I was starting to walk faster and faster and yell louder and louder in this Best Buy. Another time, this was a friend of ours who was doing a rather big flip, a huge flip actually, but we were in the middle of Haiti and we were doing a charity event there and he had some contracting issues just go totally sideways on him. I, to this day, I don't know what the size of that phone bill was, but he was in the middle of Haiti in this remote village where we were like doing all this great beneficial work while he was like arguing with contractors. And I remember looking over and go, that's the freakiest sight I'm ever going to see. He's that's doing hilarious. a flip from, yeah. Oh geez. So we've all had these crazy yeah. issues. So the lockbox thing is, uh, is totally key. Didn't you guys fill a property once? Wasn't it? Don't you guys have a story where, uh, you were filling up a student rental or Nick was filling it and you guys forgot the keys. Oh and, yeah. No, that was a rent to own. No, that was, that was, a, that was a rent to own where we had somebody that we was, uh, someone called us up through a referral that was, they were from British Columbia and they're like, I heard Toronto's the best place to invest. And specifically I want something in Hamilton. Can you help me out? And I'm like, Oh yeah, we can, you know, no problem. We can help you out. And I completely overcommitted. I said, yeah, you can buy this property. We'll do a rent to own. And I committed to getting $10,000 as an option fee. I don't know why I would speak those words. If you're not familiar with rent to own, the way yeah. rent to own works, you sign a lease, but there's a second agreement called an option agreement. You yeah. get a lump sum of money in exchange for the tenant's bad credit. That's yeah. like your security for yeah. accepting bad credit. And uh, it goes towards them buying the home at the end. And I committed to getting $10,000 up front. I've never done that in my life. Like committing to a dollar amount, like never mind $10,000 back then, especially was a yeah. huge amount of money. And yeah, we raced down to the property in the middle of a snowstorm. Everybody's there outside on the on the snowy street. Nick starts plowing a, a like a little <laughs> lane, like literally goes into overdrive with a shovel to dig a little like laneway from the street to the front door. I've done that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've all done those little laneways, the least amount of shoveling you can do to get to a vacant house. And I, I'm in the car just scrambling and I realize I forgot the keys and it's just when your heart sinks. And I had to go and tell everybody that was in their cars waiting that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. You can look at the house from the outside, but you can't go in. And then I went and told Nick while well, he was still shoveling and the look on his face and then I remember driving home thinking I'm just letting myself down this investor down my family down you know when you're in one of those low moments where and then you like, probably still rented the house oh yeah like the next weekend <laughs> that weekend on the Saturday we rented the house I got $10,000 up front as an option fee like it also taught me the power of like positive thinking and visualization <laughs> I was like oh my god anyway um so yeah we, we've all all been there so uh anything else other than the lockbox tip because that's a great one any other process type stuff that has come in handy over the years um, I, I think with maintenance is this, what you have to realize is this, is that, uh, you know, you touched on it earlier when the maintenance request comes in, every investor seems to think that you need to deal with it immediately. Like they expect, they expect a contractor there yet, like yesterday. What you have to realize is this, you don't have to deal with it necessarily immediately unless water's pouring into your basement or the house is on fire or something like that, but you have to acknowledge it, Right. Like, for example, it's Sunday afternoon, you're at the park with your with your family, like, you know, you get the text or the call and it's like, oh my God, this is gone. You need to at least acknowledge it. They're not expecting you. A lot of, you know, a lot of tenants are reasonable. Some some are not. That's another story, but they're reasonable. So as you if you acknowledge it and be like, okay, like we had one, um, I guess it was about six months ago where the guy's hot water tank went, like it wasn't heating, the pilot light was probably out, it was a rental. Sunday morning, it was like 10 in the morning. I looked at it, I was like, oh. And then I was like, well, wait a second. Like, if I didn't have hot water, this would be an issue for me too. So I was like, so I reached out. I said, listen, thanks for letting me know. I'm going to get on the call, uh, phone with, it was like Reliance or Intercare or something like that. Let's see what we can do. So lo and behold, we got someone out there that afternoon. I'm like, I can get someone there between two and five. Are you going to be home? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so they went there and he called or he sent me a message after they left was a pilot light. Thank you for taking this so seriously, right? He would have been okay if it was Monday. He was like, it's not a big deal. Like I, we can go 24 hours. But the fact on Sunday morning that you dealt with it, even just to acknowledge it, like there's some things that are within your control and there's some that are not. But the biggest thing you have to do 
is put yourself in the tenant's shoes. How would you feel if you were in your house and you didn't have hot water? How would you feel if you were in your house and your dryer didn't work and you had like, you know, a, a load full of laundry? Treat people like you want to be treated and you'll do very well in this business. I agree. That's such a big point. Just acknowledging it. So much of this business comes down to communication. And I think we were guilty of that when we were younger, thinking that every little request that came in, we had to handle immediately. Something we learned in student rentals is that that freaked us out at the beginning is that every time you turn over student rentals, if you're moving in seven students to one house, there's always going to be issues. And we used to take the issues one by one from each student. Mm -hmm. And it would just be a nightmare because you would have every student say, oh, this doorknob is a little bit loose. You know, the lock on this door is not, it's kind of sticking. You get all these issues and we learned, and we thought we had to like respond to them that day, the moment that we heard, heard of them. And we came to realize that if we just asked them all to gather all the requests as a group and after 10 days when yep. they had been through the house fully to submit their list to us. Yep. And then we said we would have a contractor come in and fix all of the issues yep. kind of like on mass. Even though things weren't being being handled the day they found the problem, the fact that they knew there was a process that they were going to be handled, they totally appreciated. And it took so much stress out of our yeah. lives that we didn't realize it. So I think what you're seeing is such a huge point, a huge point in real estate, just acknowledging yeah. that there's going to be stuff and then laying out what you're going to do to take care of it. So in your hot water tank issue, if you couldn't make that call because you had maybe some family obligations, maybe you had some family stuff going on, you yep. just couldn't even make that call. Yep saying that you would do it on Monday and follow up, letting them know you did do it, mm -hmm. that alone is often enough to take care of that Sunday issue. Yep. No, it's very true, right? And I think that it goes back to the setting expectations early. And going back to your point about the student rental, we do that with all of our properties. So when we do our move-in inspection, the last thing we do or our team does is say, listen, here's what's going to happen. You're going to move in here. No one's lived here for, let's say, maybe it's been vacant, maybe it's 30 days or whatever. Do me a favor. Give me a week write down one list and send it to me and then we'll send a contractor we'll get everything dealt with right there you drop the you drop the temperature totally. very quickly you set the expectation and even in the lease like we tell people flat out uh, maintenance is a priority for us if things are broken we need to get them fixed and that they really like that because that's the truth and for me i've always put maintenance as a priority even preventative maintenance because the number one issue or the number one reason why tenants move is maintenance or lack so thereof. how do you as a company then handle property management issues? Because I know now that, you know, you when you have contractors and property managers like yourself that you trust, it's easy that when you're on vacation just to say, hey, Jay, can you guys just kind of handle it? Mm -hmm. What is your process for dealing with investors who hire you? Is it... Um, like, how do you handle maintenance requests? What's your style? I feel I feel like every property management company has like their own system for doing that. How do you guys do it? Is there like a dollar amount that below that amount yeah. you don't have to call the investor? Above that amount you do? Yeah. No, great question, right? And I think that's the biggest thing, especially with people that are either switching companies or they're new to property management. The biggest, you know, going back to an earlier question that you asked about property management and what the biggest shock was. Um, one of the biggest shocks for me was the, was the perception of property management. A lot of investors have a very poor perception of property managers. There, you know, there's lack of communication, lack of transparency, um, no clarity in billing. And, and those were things, those were the pain points that I knew kind of going in. And that's really how I structured my company is solving for those pain points, right? Um, like our management agreement basically has the first page of the management agreement is, um, finally transparent pricing and it went in it it basically says these are the fees that we charge these are the reasons why and this is the page number or the clause number in the contract and people are like whoa like they're they're shocked by that right because i call it right out and i explain why we charge it so going back to your question about transparency in that so we have in our management agreement it's 500 dollars. so they're giving us financial authority to spend up to 500 dollars Anything above that, we need to go to the owner. And we get a lot of investors who are like, well, how about, you know, how about $300? How about $400? How about $200? And you, <laughs> um, have, you have to explain well, it to them, yeah. right? And it's like, listen, Why do I'm we not... always struggle with that kind of stuff? Those well, kind of conversations always make me crazy. But I, just... I must be getting old because now I hear stuff <laughs> like that. And I'm like, look, it's 500 bucks. Take it or leave it. <laughs> well, and, and it's not that like we have anything wrong with that, but it's like, I can't be looking to be like, okay, we have a plumber there. They want to make a, you know, a repair. Hold on. Let's look it up and see what the 
everyone's at 500. That's it, right? It's not, you know, and we have, when we explain it like that, it's like, look, we can't have a contractor and think, okay, it's 300 here and like looking it up. It, it's too much time, especially like if water's pouring in, we're like, hold on, you know, let the water flow. We have to see what the, what the financial authority is. So that's why we do 500 across the board. Okay. If it's anything more than that, like I'm not going to go put in a new furnace and be like, oh, by the way, Tom, just added a new furnace. It looks great, by yeah. the way. $3,000 <laughs> later, I got, yeah. you know, I went for the $3,000 model or the $5,000 model. I've seen your car. Fan. I've seen your car. I know yeah, what you yeah. can afford. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've decided what you're going to be able to. So listen, I'm going to come back to you because I have more questions on sure. maintenance that I yeah, want to yeah. ask you because you mentioned something interesting there. But what are you seeing right now? What's the latest you're seeing on rents? Are people paying rents or tenants paying rents? rent prices are you seeing any yeah. changes what can you tell us about rents and, and for context can you tell everyone the geographic area yeah. that you're commenting on here yeah so uh our company services uh, the hamilton niagara area so we're st Catharines, welland port colburn fort erie uh, niagara falls and then obviously hamilton proper um i think like everyone last march we were you know we were kind of with bated breath we didn't know what was going to happen april 1st and uh we were just like <gasps> And then rents came in and we were like, okay. And then we did it again in May. How many of us were holding our breath uh, I, in April? And then May, in April, we all held our breath and it was like, oh my gosh, everybody pretty much paid. And then then May 1st, you're like, okay, well now we're going to get it. But I think after yeah. the May 1st rents came in, yeah. we all collectively had this big sigh of relief. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we were the same. We were just, we just didn't know. Right. And we were all, I think you could have heard a pin drop on April 1 and May 1 and probably even June 1. June 1 was kind of, or June 2nd was kind of when I'm like, okay, I think we're going to be okay here. Um, we're seeing rents come in. Uh, 98% of our tenants are paying. Um, the 2% that uh, are not paying full rent are making payments or payment plans. Um, how I explain it to a lot of investors is this, like, look, this is uh, uncharted waters. Like, it's not like these uh, tenants went out and maxed out their credit cards at Christmas and January 1, they're telling me that they can't pay. That's not what's happening. Um, they've, you know, lost their job through no fault of their own. Um, we don't have a lot of issues in kind of Hamilton, Niagara area. Um, you know, I mean, we were very proactive when April 1 and May 1 hit. We reached out to all of our tenants in advance of April 1. We basically said, listen, we understand what's going on. We're not naive. We know that, um, you know, uh, families are hurting. Um, we're flexible on rent if you have an issue please call our office and let's discuss what we can do and how we can all work together. Yeah, how many people called you on that? Probably about five or six. And so five or six out of the hundred doors or yeah. so, so five or six percent. Yeah. And and the feedback was was very positive. And I had one tenant, she's been with me for about three years. She was like, Jay, I like I, you know, I really appreciate your email. I was so worried. I've never been in a position where I can't pay my rent. She works in the tourism sector. Well of course. Like she you know, I mean you know, she was shut down. Like, it's not like, like I said, it's not like she went out and maxed out her credit cards and we're like, okay, what can we do and how can we work together? And it goes back to what I said before. You treat others like you want to be treated in this business and you'll do fine. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, the investor is going to get their money that we're all going to work together. It just might be a little slower, right? But that's how we've always treated people, like whether it's maintenance, whether it's collecting rent. Um, you know, obviously like we need to be, you know, the best compliment I ever got as a landlord is, Jay, you're firm, but you're fair. And mm. that's what I say to a lot of investors. You need to be firm, but you also need to be fair. What are you seeing on vacancies that do turn up? How long is it taking to find a new tenant? And are you seeing any price movement in rents? What, what can you comment yeah. about that? Well, right now, I mean, typically between April and September is the busiest time for filling properties. So we're seeing um, in Hamilton, we're getting five or six people out per showing, whether it's uh, single is that home. high or low or average for you? That's probably, uh, that's a little on the high side, I would say. I mean, we, we follow proper COVID procedures and one person at a time, you know, masks, hand sanitizer, all that stuff. That's a little on the high side. Um, you know, we're seeing roughly about four weeks right now to fill a property. Um, you know, the winter was slower. I mean, it typically is slower. So, I mean, it was around, I would say closer to six weeks back then. Um, and that would be filling a single family home, a town home. What kind of property? It'd are we be about? mainly a lot of the investors we're working with are legal duplexes. Legal duplexes. Yeah. So in that, in the winter months, about six weeks. Yeah, roughly okay. about that. Um, rents are climbing. They continue to climb. Um, you know, I, I'm shocked at some of the rents that we're seeing. Can you give us an example of a duplex, maybe, and what yeah. it's going to go for? So roughly? okay, so we're filling one right now on the 
uh, East Mountain in Hamilton. It's a three-bedroom main floor. Um, we just rented it for uh, 1995 plus utilities. So 2000, the basement, we're renting for between 17 and 18, two-bedroom plus utilities. Wow, I mean, that's, that's plus utilities. That's, you know, you're, you're basically between 35 and 4K. Wow. It's crazy. Isn't that incredible? I like, we must be getting old because I guess that's like the normal <laughs> thing. But I, I, I think in real estate, something, when I hear these numbers, I'm always, Nick and I have been talking about this a lot, just preparing for the economic update that we're about to mm-hmm. do to Rockstar members and stuff. It's like the mental models that we've used always for the, our, our previous 10 years of life have never served us well for the next 10. So when I, you know, sometimes in my mind, I have an idea of what rent I think should be on a single family home and, you know, or a duplex. And then you hear numbers like that and it's just kind of astonishing. But I feel like over the last 20 or 30 years of my life, it's like if you used what you knew and learned as a framework in the last 10 years to figure out what's going to happen in the next 10, it never serves you well. Like, and I'll give you a couple examples. When when I when Nick and I first were buying some rental properties around, you know, 1999, 2000, 2001, yep. people then were telling us that if the property, what, what was it then? The biggest one then was if the property, um, oh no, real estate had gone up now uh, for about four or five years. That, that was that period because property prices had gone down from 1990 to 96. So property prices had gone up for like five or six years at that point. And they're like, oh, Property prices have gone up for five or six years. Things are about to come down. So like you're totally buying at the wrong time. So that was that era. And if you looked back into the 1990s, you could kind of make an argument for that because property prices did go down from 1990 to 96. And now they had gone up for five or six years in the early 2000s. So it was kind of like Mm -hmm. six years down, six years up. Now it's six years down. That was like the cycle. Thank God we never listened to that or followed that. And then in in the late 2000s, the model was... I'm not going to buy this investment property you guys are working with me on because it doesn't meet the 1% rule. And I had read all those real estate investing mm-hmm. books where it was like, if the rent isn't 1% of the purchase price, yeah. it's a ripoff. Yeah. And I remember thinking, man, the rent is like 1500 bucks. This is a single family home on the west side of Toronto here, you know, somewhere yep. between Burlington. We were doing even Burlington at that time for like 280, Burlington was like 285,000. Don't tell me I'll, that. I'll never forget, oh the, I'll goodness. never forget this. The rent on that one was high, higher. It was 285,000. And I remember this guy telling me, he goes, Tom, um, this property isn't right for two reasons. First of all, I've read a lot of books and there's an investment group that I'm part of. And it's told, they told me that if it's not 1%, the rent's not 1% of the purchase price, it's a ripoff. And I've divided the purchase price by the property taxes and it's supposed to be a certain multiple and the multiple is off. So for these two reasons, I'm not going to be buying your Burlington single family home for 285. And I remember thinking, if I had the money to buy this thing right now, this is a cash flowing single family home in Burlington, Ontario. And he kind of walked away. So, you know, him and maybe to no fault of his own, maybe just getting into it, but he was using a model where someone had done some analysis that maybe worked for the previous 10 but was going to be completely out of whack for the next 10. Yeah. And I think, I feel like right around that time, we were also told by mortgage brokers, rates are about to go up. Guys, interest rates are going to, in around 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. after the great financial crisis, yeah. everyone was like, rates are going to go up, don't buy now. And, you know, and if you looked back in history, whenever there was like a financial crisis or something going yeah. on, if you use a model from like the 70s and the 80s, rates did go up. But in this case, they didn't go up. Yeah. And now I feel like we're here we are in 2021. You tell me the rents in Hamilton on a single family home on East Mountain that we would rent out for like between 1250 and like 1500 yeah. bucks, yeah. okay? We would rent the whole house out for 1250. And now you're telling me, yeah, 36 to 4000 for for that same house rented as a duplex. Well, that's the East Mountain. The very that, first house I bought uh, before I joined Rockstar was on the West Mountain. And I remember renting same thing, three up, three bedroom unit upstairs, two bedroom downstairs. And I rented the whole thing for $2,500, 2500 So that, and that was the West so Mountain. So that was West Mountain. So if you're not familiar with Hamilton, West Mountain is considered a little bit uh, more prestigious or posh go. or something. <laughs> um, I don't know, uh, you know if that's appropriate to say in the politics of Hamilton, but that's kind of how the West Mountain's considered. We're going to get lynched here. In yeah, Hamilton. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but so what, what did you rent the top floor then at that? Amount? $1,350. $1,350. Uh, and... Was it eleven fifty or a thousand? I forget what it was. One of yeah, the two. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it was like, and I had that tenant for five or six years. He was awesome. His name was Jay too. So 
My yeah. daughter used to call him Jay with a mustache, and I was Jay without a mustache. Yeah. So crazy. <laughs> but so, and, and there's what. I, but that's what I mean. If you use that model, that mental framework, you would have never concluded that you could rent out this house that you're talking about yeah. in, the, in the East Mountain for those prices. Yeah. And I feel like the way the world's moving right now, we constantly have to rip up and tear up, or at least challenge our previous thinking. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we won't be able to kind of stay ahead of the madness that this world is presenting us from a monetary point of view for the next 10. It's almost like, you know, you're constantly have to rip up what you knew and reanalyze, reeducate and rebuild a framework for the future. Otherwise you're going to be caught in a mold that almost holds you back. And I think that's, you know, you you hit the nail right on the head. Like, I mean, you have to educate yourself because what's going on in the market right now is it's chaos, right? And I've been out with investors and they're like, okay, well, you know, we want to, we want to go to like, you know, we want this, we want it really bad. We're prepared to go up to like 500 K. I'm like, we're not going that high. And, and at some point you have to have a check because, you know, in that case, the house wouldn't have appraised that high. And I'm like, you know, and I said to them, and it was a couple that I've been working with, um, I said, listen, like what you don't realize is this, is that if it comes in light, like if it comes in under what we've paid for, you have to make up the difference plus that. And they were just like, so, you know, I mean, as we're out there and we're looking at, at rental properties, don't get um, caught up in, in the chaos. Like, I mean, go out there. There's still deals to be had, but you have to make sure that you're buying it for the right reasons, running your numbers and making sure that the value is there. Because if we're going way over ask, which a lot of places are right now, you have to make sure that, you know, it's going to come in at appraisal. And the second thing is it's going to come in at value because if you're going to, you know, if you're going to spend all this money, you're foregoing all that equity for maybe two, three, four years. So there's nothing there to refi or, or burr or whatever you want. So, I mean, you have to do your due diligence and don't get caught up in the chaos. Yeah. We just had that actually with somebody who wasn't using us for the record, um, bought a property, um, and the appraiser did come in short. It was an Oakville home and the appraisal came in $100,000 um, less, 90000 or 100000 And uh, yeah. So they, jump change, right? Yeah. 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 And luckily they could, they, you know, now who has that ability, but they, they luckily had the ability last minute to, to pull that money together yeah. and close on the property. Um, so just to make sure everyone's clear on that, that is a big point that just Jay shared. If you buy, let's, let's say, you know, a $500,000 property and it comes in and the appraisal is 450 and yeah. you have financing approved at 80% loan to value, they're going to give you 80% of the 450. Yeah. The difference between 450 and 500, you then have to come up on top of the down payment. Yeah. So it can be rather painful. Okay. So rents. Um, you're seeing, you know, uh, four to six weeks was the time right. frame. We got an idea of some prices. Uh, the demand seems like it's there. So kind of let's transition now to maintenance. Why did you bring up the point that maintenance is something, I never thought of it this way, as the reason for people moving homes? What are you seeing? Well, I think, you know, what we see, well, we don't see a lot of it, but um, one of the things that I see is that a lot, and, and not not necessarily Rockstar members, but a lot of landlords, and, and I mean, this is one of the things if that I've always... If it's a Rockstar member, you can say it. It's okay. <laughs> I just won't name you names. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the biggest thing that I teach, like in the class that I teach at Rockstar, it's really simple. Don't be a slumlord. I've always been super sensitive. As I never want to come across as a slumlord. Where, you know, if you're commanding top rent for a property, you need to maintain that property. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned along the way is that with maintenance... Um, that's always the number one reason. Like when I screen tenants, I ask, why are you looking to move? Right. Oh, the landlord, you know, there's a lot, you know, I mean, he wouldn't fix this. He wouldn't fix that. You wouldn't be surprised. You'd be surprised on how many times you hear that because that's a lot of the reasons. The other side of that is this, is that, um, we also get, and this is actually our company's been victim to this, is that people move in and right off the hop, there's a lot of maintenance. So we just move someone into a property May 1 and, She's been at the property for five days. Since she's moved in, the tub is leaked, so we had to rip up the entire tub. Actually, that happened before she moved in. Um, the dishwasher doesn't work. It was actually smoking, so that was a little concerning. Whoa, okay. uh, the garage, The garage door opener doesn't work, and the dryer doesn't heat. Okay, that's in five days. That's a lot of maintenance right off the hop, right? So that, yeah, that seems like a lot. You think that was just by chance? It could have been. Like the house was vacant for you know a couple months after after the investors closed on it. Um, but some people get frustrated by that, and they're just like, "Oh, it's a lot." 
and our team's out there and we've sent our, we've sent our trades out there to deal with it. Sometimes you just don't know what you're walking into, but I can see that with tenants that they're like, oh, this is just, it's just, oh my God, it's just too much. Like, mm-hmm. Especially but, at the beginning of a relationship. Exactly, right? And usually, you know, and it's frustrating for the for the investor too because they're like, oh my God. And it's like, trust me, I'm not, I'm not in there breaking everything down to be able to send trades and, and, and that. Like, I mean, this is like, you know, another thing that I always tell investors is that every so often you have to pay the piper. Um, you know, and it's like, you may have, I have properties where I haven't sent trades there in four or five months. You know, and then I have bang, 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 bang. And I'm like, it just, it goes in waves, right? So, but what we hear uh, consistently, the number one reason why tenants move is because of maintenance issues or lack thereof. And by that, I mean not dealing with them or kicking the can down the road or just like burying your head in the sand. Mm -hmm. Don't be the type of investor to just collect checks and, and, uh, you know, kick the can down the road. At the end of the day, no, like you're commanding a top rent you're getting, you know, these people are your customers, right? Tenants are your customers and your customers are paying down your mortgage. So you need to never lose sight of that. And like other customers, yes, they can be unreasonable. But again, if you treat others like you want to be treated, you'll do well and your tenants will have a lot of time for you. Mm -hmm. How do you set expectations with investors on like uh, finding new tenants um, and maintenance requests, you know, you, you use the words, you have to pay the piper every once in a while. Are, are, is it, is it you, you, you know, you've owned property now for, yep. I feel like some time. Are you just sharing your experiences? Are you kind of trying to get them to look forward on the appreciation that might happen on their properties as, as a way to kind of stay positive on stuff? But when a new investor closes on a home and then is faced with five or six things, what are you, what are you doing to, to kind of alleviate that? Or, or, you know, I don't know if you have an answer for that. I'm just trying to think it's a difficult situation for a new investor. Yeah, I think the two things that happen, right? Like number one, like when we get uh, a new investor or a, um, a client, like we do what's called a fit call. So we don't take everyone. And I learned that very quickly from, from other property managers in the trade. You don't take everyone because not, not everyone is a fit and not all money is good money. Um, so I asked the question right at the front and our team asked the question, it's like, what's your perception of maintenance? How do you feel about preventative maintenance? If things break down, what would you do? Right. And you get an idea, right. Of, you know, where people, people are in the spectrum. So like, for example, this investor brand new, it's their, it's their second property and it's been bang, bang, bang. So at some point you have to get on the phone and you have to say, listen, this is not ideal for anyone. I was hoping that this would you know, be spread over 12 months, it's more palatable. But at the end of the day, you need to realize is that we're still cash flowing, we're still making money. And, you know, you bought this house under market value. So you have to do some coaching too, right? And, you know, not all of my clients are, um, you know, members of Rockstar. So you have to kind of do that. But the other thing I do very quickly is that, you know, if you're not prepared to invest in the property and deal with maintenance, we our relationship doesn't last very long. Right. We had an issue where one of our properties, there was a, you know, infestation issue and the cost to fix it was 1800 bucks. Give us more than that. What was okay. it? Okay. Rats. No way. Rats. And oh, it was a triplex. God. It was a triplex. How do you it, get infestation of rats? Just garbage? Well, collection? so a couple of things, right? Number one, um, down the road, there's new development. Okay. So they were breaking ground and disturbing, let's call them other homes. Um, and secondly, the, they look for, why do you say, let's call them other homes Were they not quite good well, homes? No, I'm saying that the rats were living oh, in, in, in the, God. We, we, the rats were living in those other homes. No, not the to... homes. What I'm saying is that when they broke ground, uh, in the subdivision, rats were kind of living, living around in, there, okay. living around there. Got it. Got it. So now that they've disturbed where the rats were living, <laughs> yeah. they're looking for, God. for fertile ground, Ugh. right? So unfortunately they went down to this, you know, this other property and the, the tenants weren't that clean, let's call it. And we've been working with them to try and mm-hmm. clean up the property. And, you know, we brought our, um, you know, pest control there and they're like, it's 1800 bucks. And we went to the, we oh, went to the, geez. and so we went to the investor. We said, listen, like, here's the deal. Here's what's going on. Like, this is not ideal, but we need to deal with this. Right. Like they were actually sure. in the house. Yeah. Why was it 1800 bucks? Well, cause they had to dig around. They had to trench around the house. They had to, um, screen where that, where they were coming into oh, the property. Got it. it was an older home. Um, oh, so is that what they do? They dig a trench and then stuff metal wire, like mesh wire exactly. down? And he had okay. to go down, I think it was like 10 feet. No. And I've... They I, trenched this house 10 feet? Well, 
they didn't because we never got that far. So we went to the investor. We said, listen, like, here's the situation. Here's what's going on. We need to do this because, you know, it's now a public health issue. And the investor was like, well, like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, oh, what do you mean you're not doing it? He's like, well, I'm not doing it. He goes, you can spend up to $500, but I'm not spending $1,800. Oh, jeez. So they with, have not been an investor for a long time. So it's going to be a bigger problem. Well, that's the thing. So within 24 hours, we basically served notice. We said we're terminating our agreement. Um, and the investor was shocked and he called me and I'm like, well, like I'm not like for lack of a better term, I'm not going to be well, here. No, you have to manage a disaster. No, because I said, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not going to be your, am I allowed to swear on this? Sure. Swear. I'm not, allo- I'm not allowed to be your, I'm not going to be your shit shield. Right. Mm, got it. That's, you know, if you don't want to deal with this, that's your decision, but count me out. So we gave our 30 days notice and he hired another property management company and, uh, you know, we go from there. I mean, wow. at the end of the day, like I felt bad. Um, you know, for the tenants, because it's like, I wasn't, yeah, totally. I wasn't going to do it. You want to treat others as you treat yourself. You want a safe house that's functional. And that I, I'm just mystified though, by this, they were really going to dig down 10 feet. Sorry. I'm just, yeah. He was going to trench the area. Like, I mean, I've worked with this guy for probably four or five years. Like but they have to go down 10 feet. Maybe it wasn't 10. Maybe it was like five feet. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, okay. Maybe. Okay. Got it. Was it, it was I, a I, big I yeah. but even five, even five feet to me is huge. Yeah. I thought they were going to go down like 18 inches. No. They were going no. down several feet. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to have to dig this by hand. I'm like, oh. so, I mean, you know, and it was just like, I, I don't like to leave people high and dry. Like at the end of the day, it's like, I felt bad. And I was just like, listen, like, yeah. so we serve notice. We told the Your tenants. Your shit shield thing just answers everything. Well, it's you just like, been... yeah, he said, I'm not going to deal with that. Right. Well, you like, you know, are, are, and that's the other thing, like in property management, you know, we're the contact. The owner is very much anonymous. No one really knows who the owner is. Um, you know, they just know to deal with management and like at the end of the day, it's like, I I have to be able to live with myself. And that's one of the things that I didn't want to do, but like, that's the number one reason why people move. And once I told them that it's not being fixed and we're terminating our relationship, at least two of those tenants reached out and they said, do you have anything else? Can you put me somewhere else? Do you have another? And that's just the the loss of money they're going to get on the vacancies alone there. I would have paid for that. Well, yeah. And I mean, there wasn't a lot of maintenance to begin with throughout the year. Like this was like, it was last year sometime, but it was like six, like it was six months, right? Like there's this whole thing's making me real. I'm having flashbacks talking to you. I had a bed bug experience in a student rental bars by York university in a property I owned a long time ago. And, uh, we were getting this one company in, couldn't kill these bed bugs. So we hired something else. I think, I think we ended up solving it with a white powder that they made this one company was able to bring in from the US. I don't even know. You have what, the best stories. No, I, I don't even say. know what the hell we did on this property, but I think they tried to like heat the house to kill. I forget. But anyway, between the first time of it not working, it the second like a time. like meth lab here. Yeah, like geez. it was a disaster. It was a disaster. But the, the students that we had at this York University rental, they were from out of country. So they left because they were staying for the next year. So they left closed and they were foreign students. And if, if you're not familiar with foreign students, you have to pay a lot to come to school in Canada. Mm-hmm. They had nice clothes. Like they had shoe collection, nice clothes, hats, like baseball hats that look really, really expensive and the whole bit as, as far as baseball hats can go. And uh, I remember I had to go to the house with their permission to like pick up all their clothes and like put them into bags so that when they came in to do this bed bug thing, like they put this powder all along the baseboards and stuff. Anyway, I had to go to the house and I remember getting bags, going there, collecting people's clothes that were not mine or my family's, putting them into bags, thinking this is completely gross. My brother-in-law, who I owned that house with for whatever reason, wasn't able to help me that day, probably strategically. Convenient. Yeah, Mario, <laughs> love you, dude. Love you, but you were there that day. So Smart I remember man. doing it and I remember I remember the guy telling me, if you just press on the on the seams of the bed that you'll see bed bugs. And I remember pressing and seeing these, it was just kind of like gross. And so they ended up throwing out the, we ended up collecting the mattresses and throwing them out. Anyway, it's just a big disaster and I remember going home that day and I'm like I don't want these freaking bed bugs in my house so I remember going into my garage closing the door and just stripping down completely and throwing out my clothes into a bag and sealing it tight and walking into my house naked and I know this sounds that's too much information for everybody but this is as you as (laughs) As an investor, this is because I just did not want any risk. How many of, glasses um, of tequila did you have before we no, got no, here I know, to tell I know, this story? I know, I know, I know, I know that sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, when I'm just like, I do not want the risk of this entering my family oh. home. So uh, anyway, that was my bed bug uh, story. So, yeah. 
<laughs> Every investor has got these psycho stories that they've had. I've to had do. flea stories like that. We took over management <laughs> of a property. I went into this this uh, unit upstairs, took it over. Um, it was vacant. I was in there for two minutes. I went to go check the water pressure. I walked out. I got in my car. I started driving. I looked down at my jeans and I could see them. And I was like, oh my God. And same pest guy for the rat issue. I phoned him. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? He's like, whatever you do, don't go in your house. I'm like, well, thanks. I'm not that. So I did something similar. I don't want to get into like, you know, too much. <laughs> you don't want to share the gruesome I, details. I feel I like this is like a, you know, glorified porno we're on right now. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, but it's the same thing. It's like, what do you do? Right. And it's like, you know, and send him there to fog it. He's yeah. like, oh yeah, there's fleas here. Yeah. And it's just like, but yeah, like, I mean, that's what you do. You're not going to bring that into your house. Right. But it's like, you know, and a guy we know in the U.S., uh, I won't say his full name. Some people know him. A friend of ours had the same flea issue and he went home, did the same thing that you don't want to discuss. <laughs> he did the same thing. So now I know multiple investors. We've all been through the same madness. It's true. Yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, my God. OK, so uh, something I wanted to ask you um, cause, uh, on maintenance. Um, I know you you have some strategies on the way you handle maintenance with investors that yep. we can talk about. Um, but what's the biggest mistake people do on screening tenants that you found? How do you handle screening? Is there something that you like to look for when you're screening tenants that maybe you didn't in the in the past? What can you tell us about screening? Because I think putting the right person in the property is uh, half the battle. Well, you know, I, I think um, going back to last March, I think the biggest thing that I learned is that our screening process worked, right? Because April 1, when, you know, the chips were down, we looked and 98% of our tenants paid and the other 2% were working on payment plans. That to me was a testament that our team and I were doing the right thing. So then you think it was the way you verified income was good or Well, what? I think it was all of the above, right? I mean, you're looking at so many different things, right? You're looking at their income, you're looking at their credit, you're looking at social media, Right. So I think the biggest thing where a lot of how it, do you look at social media? Are you using a service that does that for you, or are you manually looking at so, social? So yeah, so I mean, we do a couple different things, right? So it's like, um, like we have someone in our company that that basically does all the underwriting. So we use, um, we use a service called Neighborly, which has been on the show yeah. before, and a lot of Rockstar members use. We've used them. Um, they also have a component for social media checks. But the other thing we do is we run. Um, we run background, right? So it's like our team looks and we, we Google the person, we go on Facebook. The things you would find by going on Facebook, like I had one, we were gonna move someone in uh, and it's like, you look at their photos on Facebook and there's all this drug paraphernalia on there. And it's like, yep, no thank you. Yeah, right? got we, it. We don't, we don't want that. But I think the biggest thing and where a lot of investors fall down is that they don't wanna make a mortgage payment. No one wants to make a mortgage payment. So it's, it's a rush, it's like, you know, totally. oh, we got to get someone in quickly. Like That's how uh, we were when we started. It was just we, how fast can we get this tenant we in? We all did. We yeah. all did. And I did that. And it's like any investor that tells you they've never picked wrong is lying to you. And I'll be the first one to tell you I've picked wrong. It takes I, confidence. <clears throat> it, it, it takes a lot of time to get the confidence to know that you will find a good tenant. Mm -hmm. Because when you're, I found when we were younger, we had that panic so much yeah. that we couldn't afford the mortgage payment. Oh my gosh, get a tenant in here. But it will happen if you stick to the process. You're going to find a good tenant. And that's what you have to do, right? Like, especially with us, you have to do a lot of uh, coaching and educating to new investors to say, listen, we're not taking the first warm body we get because you may get first and last today, but that might be it for the next six months. And, you know, Kelly Hawks was on here a couple of weeks ago and it's, you know, it's eight to 12 months, right, to, to, get, a, to get a tenant out. It's crazy. She right. is so busy right now because the tenant board's finally opening yeah. up. She is just swamped. And yeah. and yeah, we have some investors that we know of that was started some action on some tenants who were being, I, f I feel these were the one to 2% situations where the tenant was taking advantage of a situation yeah. and they had filed notice with the tenant board uh, September of 2020 and they just got notice now that a hearing was going to be scheduled. That's a long time to oh, go without collecting rent. So we had one same thing they were working with us for a bit. Then they just stopped answering calls and emails. And basically just before Christmas, we served them. We served them the N4. They mistook that for being evicted. And they were like in a rush to get out, uh, working, our team's working with Kelly. Um, but we were able to serve them, right? There was a guarantor, but we still haven't gone to the board. That was in December, yeah, wow. right? We filed the L1 in December. Did you get a date now? Some dates are starting we to happen. We still don't have a date. Oh, you still don't have no, a date. we still Jeez. don't have a date. But they've moved out. We've re-rented the property. 
Um, okay, got but it. But there is, I think it's like, I think they owe us like something like 10 grand oh, in, in outstanding geez. rent. That's a and tough the, one. And the investor's like, Jay, what do we do? I'm yeah. like, this was like maybe a thousand bucks. I'd say call it a day. Totally. But, but this is 10 yeah. grand, yeah. right? And I, and I don't say totally lightly on a thousand dollars. Like I know that's a lot of money, yeah, but, but just the fees and hassle you're going to go through are probably yeah. going to cost you more than a thousand dollars, but at 10,000. Yeah, this is but it's worth but it's course. worth it, right? Yeah. And and like to get someone like Kelly there, like she's worth every dollar. Oh, and Kelly, we feel so grateful to have cross paths with Kelly. So if you don't know who Jay's referring to, Kelly Hawks is a, a paralegal who has a ton of experience yeah. helping landlords. So uh, on the, on the screening question, just so you know, I'm not sure if you use them. We're hearing a lot of good things about Rentify. Mm-hmm. So Neighborly is really good, yeah. but more and more we're hearing about Rentify and what rent Rentify. Yeah. The banks, I didn't know this, but the banks have opened an API to allow certain companies into people's bank accounts directly yeah. where they can go and see different transactions happening in a person's bank account. I don't even know how this is allowed or legal. Well, we actually, um, so we're, we're testing Rentify right now and uh, we're filling a property in Hamilton and uh, with the investor I said, why don't we try Rentify? And so we did it, they filled it out, we covered the costs. Um, we went through there we were able to find out that they had a pet that they didn't disclose because there was a transaction for a vet. Um, that is insane. Their their rent is consistently late. Um, they are overdrawn. Oh, because you can on, see the rent. Uh, pay. And how is it? I, this is great. Okay, so there's two sides to this coin. <laughs> there's two sides to this coin. Yeah. This is awesome intel. Right. But doesn't it feel a little bit like crazy that the banks have allowed this to happen? I'm shocked right because they they presented at one of the team meetings and i was just like how is this possible right and and for me like what i feel comfortable if i was renting to be like yeah here you go and just like look you can have access to it right i'd be like "Eh." i'm like credit i'm okay with right because it's like it's a point in time but it's like to see all my transactions i was like but it's good because like at the end of the day it becomes less about credit score more about what you're seeing because a lot of what you know credit is at a particular point in time but credit is also indicative of behavior so when you're looking at bank statements and transactions that's behavior how do you spend your money i mean if you're like you know total creeper right you can be like oh my god this is awesome i can see all these Mm -hmm. you know what they're doing but we were able to discern from those transactions like you know, and yeah, if you can find a pet that was not disclosed, and that's it, crazy. Well, and it was a lead from an agent. So I called the agent. I said, listen, like, just want you to know, like, here's the straight goods. Like, your clients aren't being straight with you. And she's like, oh, my goodness. And she was a newer agent. I'm mm-hmm. like, I said, she's like, well, what do I say? I said, just, you know, tell them flat out. Like, the owners decided to keep looking. Mm-hmm. But, wow. you know, and that's tough, right? Because on the, on the realtor side, when they're doing leasing, they, you know, I always ask, how well do you know your client? Because I've done that before where it's like, you know, I've been fed a whole lot of, sure. right? Yeah. And then they had no clue what their what their tenant was like. So you always have to ask that question. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have to work with these people again and again on multiple transactions. I want to be straight with you to be like, listen, like they're feeding you a load of baloney here and this is the reason why. Holy smokes. Okay, so what can you what can you tell us about what you're so you got you you have your property management company, but you found a little niche here to do some stuff with maintenance specifically for investors that want cuz Nick and I over the years have always felt comfortable finding tenants on rental mm-hmm. properties. I feel like we can use property managers and you know, it's not really a problem. It's filling a rental property. Yeah. But on student rentals, we just have done this since our mid twenties. Yeah. And we feel like we have it such so <laughs> dialed in. We've always told property management companies, listen, we don't want to get the calls anymore, but we have the, um, we'll take care of the tenant, uh, finding new tenants mm-hmm. because we have that dialed in. So now you just shared something before we started recording that you're starting to do that's rather interesting to me. You have a maintenance only type of property management. Am I explaining that right? Yeah, so this actually happened about six months ago. And I think like one of the things, I'm not here to pitch property management, right? And that's part of the reason why like when we reach out to people or people reach out to us, we do a fit call to see if it makes sense. Because some people are very good at finding tenants. Some people are very good at being a landlord and they like doing it. They don't need us, right? So that's why we're very selective with the people that we work with. But I had an investor that I've known for, for a number of years reach out to me and he said, you know, he goes, I've been thinking about this a while. He goes, I really wish that you offered something like a, I forget what he called, like a, a, a light option. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, he said to me, he goes, I like picking my tenants. I like collecting rent. 
But what I don't like is the calls, the maintenance calls or the after hours calls. And I was like, okay. I'm like, what if I could solve that problem for you? And he said, well, what would you mean? I'm like, okay, give me a week. Let me, let me put something together. So what I did and what we've been doing with this uh, one investor is we've been beta testing this for about six months. Um, it's a program I call Fix It. And what we do is essentially what you're doing is we're outsourcing maintenance. So for example, like in your case, Tom, like you're still the landlord, you still collect the rent, you still deal with the tenant related issues. The difference is when they have a maintenance request, they call our team and not uh, you. And what happens is it's a, it's a subscription-based service. You don't have to be a property management client. Um, we're doing it in Hamilton and Niagara. And basically what you do is you pay a subscription fee and we take care of all the calls. The after-hour calls, we have a 24-hour call center. Um, we deal with all the maintenance. Um, we give access and notice. Like we, we give notice to your tenants. We give access to the trade. And then we follow up with your tenant after. So basically our team follows up and say, you know, we sent a plumber. Uh, we just want to make sure that the, you know, the repair was done to your satisfaction. Do you have any questions or any concerns? And then, you know, we build the, we build the investor at the end of the month. And then for the maintenance requests, it's a, it's a transparent pricing sheet like you would do with your property management. How are you doing pricing on that? Yeah. So basically how it works. So, so how the maintenance is done. So as I said, we have the call center. We also have online maintenance requests. So they go to the website, they fill out a form and then we, we do that. Um, and then for the subscription, it's $97. A month and that covers you for up to two units so we'll do two units for 97 bucks okay got it so if it's a single family home but rented out as a two unit so accessory suite inside the house yep. it covers both units yep, exactly and then um then after the maintenance is done then you get an invoice for the maintenance call you know then you toilet or whatever right right yeah got it yeah got it okay but again like i think the biggest thing is this is that you know we see a lot of investors that like being a landlord. They like collecting rent. They want to be on top of things, but they don't want to deal with maintenance. And we're already dispatching maintenance to begin with. So we thought, hey, if we're doing this now, what if we did this? And we've been trying this for six months with um, this one investor. It's worked out really well. Um, we also do it where it's like when we take over, we've got a landlord letter that goes out. Uh, the landlord signs it, we sign it. And it's like, great news. I'm working with this company called Fix It. Um, here's how you deal with your maintenance. Here's where you fill out the form for any maintenance. If there's emergencies, you call this number and they'll dispatch the trade. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I'm not so. I'm not, I don't think I've heard of this before. Someone, someone doing this kind of thing. This will be interesting to see where this takes you. Well, I just think there's like there's that little need, right? And at the end of the day, it's like if we can help someone solve a problem, that's what real estate is and property management is. Is that if we can find someone to give them back some time. Um, you know, that's, I think that's benefit, right? And a lot we, of investors are control freaks, like freaks, like Nick and myself, <laughs> you just, you want to pick the tenant and you want sure. to kind of collect the rent and that kind of stuff. Over time, we've let go of that, but, uh, um, well, maybe Nick still hangs on to that tighter than I hang on to, <laughs> uh, onto that. But, uh, but it seems like this could be a little bit of a niche here, especially. And, and what I like, what I tell most investors is I'm like, Hey, don't start with property management out of the gates because you want to know how to manage your property. Mm -hmm. Like if Jay Shaw goes away or Tom and Nick Kradza go away, you want to know how to find a tenant, how to handle maintenance requests, how to develop relationships with a handy, per, you know, a handy person or like a, mm -hmm. get contractors and that stuff. But then there'll be a certain time in your the evolution of your investing life where it's like, okay, kind of got that. I yep. filled a few properties now or a few vacancies and now I just don't want to do that anymore. I've learned those lessons and I want to hire property management. Mm -hmm. um, but this is an interesting kind of middle step to get into that, to alleviate some of the calls, especially when families are so busy. So uh, this will be interesting. We'll have to see how this goes and see if any. So on this, if someone wanted to take you up on that type of thing, what's the URL? Is there a URL? Yeah, type? yeah. We've got a website all set up. It's, it's really simple. It's uh, nomorecalls.ca. Look at you. No more calls. Okay. So, and since we're asking no more calls.ca yep. is for the fix it program, <clears throat> correct? Yes. And then for your property management company. Yeah. So the name of my company, it's welcome home management and the website is welcomehomepm.ca. Yeah. Cool. I mean, uh, thanks for doing this, Jay. Yeah, I, my pleasure. I, I appreciate it. It'll be interesting to see where these properties take us all over the 10 years. We, I don't think we mentioned at the beginning, but this is the first time you're listening to Jay. Jay does teach a class, property management class here at Rockstar that gets rave reviews. So thank you. Yeah, my I don't know how to teach a property management class that gets rave reviews. So that's a <laughs> testament to you. Um, so good job on that. Thank you. I mean, that's offering a lot of value to the community and stuff. So we totally, totally appreciate that. 
and uh, you are an investor yourself. I don't know if we, we kind of alluded to that a yep. little bit, but yep. just so everybody is aware, that's the base of knowledge you're coming from. You've bought in properties and owned properties for yep. some time now, so yep. you kind of are relating to investors when you're going through this. Yeah, and I learned a lot of what I know today through Rockstar, right? I started out, and we never talked about that. I started out as an investor at Rockstar, um, went to the class, and you know, Tom, Tom and Nick reeled me in, and then eventually got my <laughs> license, and then you know, had one of those experiences with a property manager. And it was like, I just, it sucked. I didn't like it. And I wanted to do different because I think this industry has so much potential. Um, because at the end of the day, a lot of people manage their properties because they don't trust the, they don't trust property managers. Right. And at the end of the day, what I've tried to do is solve that problem. I'm not here to pitch and like the class that we teach, it's not property management 101. It's how can you be a better manager on managing your own properties. Yeah, your class is like an encyclopedia. I don't know how it's not like six hours with the amount of content that you put out in that class. Uh, it's easy. Anthony keeps me on a short leash yeah, there. He's he? like, Jay, yeah, keep you going. Keep, <laughs> keep you going. Jay, thanks for doing this, man. And I'm just having more flashbacks because I remember when you first started working with us and it's, it's so cool that you're now here giving back the way you're giving because a lot of people are now learning from you. No, that absolutely. is the freakiest part about what we're doing. I, th I don't think Nick and I realize that it's so cool when other people like yourself get experience and then you give back. Like the momentum that can build for all of us because now sure. we're all contributing back to help more and more of us. Um, really feel blessed, man. So thank you for doing what well, you're doing. Well, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for coming to that class yeah. that, that one night and I've learned so much. The knowledge that I've learned are from the classes. So I mean, for those I don't know if that's you, good or bad, Jay. We'll, we'll see. Let's <laughs> wait another 10 years and then you could decide if that was a good or bad. Well, for okay. people listening, right? I, I can't say enough good things. And like I said, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for, for you, Nick, and the team here. So thank that's you. That's cool. Thanks, Jay. So the URLs again are nomorecalls.ca and welcomehomepm.ca. We'll link to both of those in the show notes for Jay's episode here. And Jay, awesome catching up, man. Hey, good to see you. Good to see Thanks, you. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Jay. You can reach Jay at these URLs. It's welcomehomepm.ca. So it's welcomehomepm.ca. Or for his maintenance service that he's rolling out now, you can go to www.nomorecalls.ca. That's nomorecalls.ca. And if you are listening to this and you want some real estate information specifically around the population explosion going on in Ontario and the GTA and the Golden Horseshoe, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports and you'll find it all there. That's it for this time. Until next time, your life, your terms.